0: We're back, Whisper Nation. It's your boys, the Fantasy Whispers, over here. And we're breaking down the second half of the Week 5 matchups, part 2 as I like to say on the show. If you're new to our podcast, please consider hitting that subscribe. Hit that bell on our YouTube channel. So that way you get notified anytime that we put out new content to help you win each and every single week. Now, without further ado, let's jump in the show, shall we?
1: Right here. That's right, Whisper Nation. Like Johnny said, we'll be talking the second half of the NFL slate of matchups and all the fantasy football implications of those Sunday games. But if you like fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it daily, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. You can give this and our other videos a like on your way in. Welcome all the way in Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travy TFW. I am joined today by Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. What is good, Johnny?
0: What is up, Big Travi? Just you and I today on these matchup breakdowns. Austin decided uh, to go on a vacation to Mexico
1: yeah, with dude, a, with his
0: lady and his family with Philly yeah. Chelsea and the fam.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. I'm I'm jealous. He's gonna maybe maybe be sipping some tequila, maybe be on the beach. I appreciate yeah, a little margs, uh, dude. Appreciate a little time in Mexico. So I'm hoping he's having a good time out there. Yep. want to let Whisper Nation know know the, how they can have a good time if they put the PP back in their PPR league with the sponsors of today's show Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance 4.0 package. Don't neg- neglect those balls, like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping by using the promo code TFWMAN. That will help you train the to- tame the Troy Polamalu in your pants, Johnny. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at Manscaped.com. Once again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code TFWMAN at Manscaped.com. If your significant other is nagging you about how much time you put into your fantasy team, you might as well give them the gift of some beautiful balls with Manscaped over there. Johnny, we got to talk these... This part two of the matchups, obviously, Whisper Nation, if they've been listening to our show, they know it's a little bit different this week. We had the part one. We did the Sunday night and Monday night matchups. Now we're going to get into the the six remaining games on the schedule, some of the afternoon games. But first, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, Johnny, taking on the Carolina Panthers. This is a 45-point over-under. Carolina favored by three and a half. We look at the Philadelphia side of the ball. We just know that Jalen Hurts is pretty much an an auto start at this point. Mm -hmm. How are we looking at him as rest of season? And then in particular, this matchup, Johnny.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're going to continue to roll him out. Not the greatest matchup, right? Carolina actually, uh, so to our surprise, is much better on defense, and they're allowing the eighth-fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks right now. And they have only allowed 70 rushing yards all season in total to the quarterback. And we know that Jalen Hurts is a mega uh, rusher on the ground. That's, he's kind of the Konami code there. Uh, but Travis, you asked about the rest of the season. And I, I just want to say, I, I think he's a locked and loaded top five, top seven quarterback rest of the season. You look at his finishes so far this season, QB six, QB 10, QB 10, QB four, uh, 15th easiest schedule moving forward for quarterbacks. Last two games, he has had the fewest rushing yards in his uh, so far, you know, starting uh, and finishing a game, but he has thrown over uh, 300 passing yards and back-to-back games and he's never finished outside the top 12 at the quarterback position Travis when starting and finishing a game so not only does he have a super safe floor but he also has that super high ceiling uh that we like to see from our quarterbacks for the rest of the season so I'm rolling I have a lot of confidence in hurts we were big fans of his coming into the season and he's putting it on paper whether or not uh people like to admit it or not
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think it's just you know we're we're d- trying to figure out if he's a good real life quarterback, but I don't think it matters because who, what are the Eagles going to do? Go to Minshew or Flacco? No, I don't think so. So for this year, for redraft, for fantasy football purposes, we love Jalen Hurts. His weapons have been improved, but they haven't really been as consistent as we'd like. So the question is, like, are we going to get more consistency? You look at Devonta Smith, seven or more targets in three or four games, has scored 10 or more PPR fantasy points in two games, but then under three fantasy points in the other two. So not really the consistency we want. Jalen Rieger hasn't scored above six points in PPR since week one. And then Quez Watkins, this is somebody to keep an eye on. After the first three games, only seeing a max of three targets, he bumped up to seven in week four. I'm not starting any of these guys though in this matchup Carolina uh pass defense has been really solid eighth fewest points per game to wide receivers in the NFL you look at Devonta Smith projected to see the majority of his snaps against Dante Jackson who has the highest grade among the Carolina cornerbacks per pro football focus so if we're talking about a good secondary and then the best cornerback in that secondary is going to get a lot of Devonta Smith I'm not really trusting any of the Philly pass catchers, but Johnny, what about the tight ends? Because when we look at it, it's actually Dallas Goddard who's maybe been the most consistent of the Philly pass catchers. Are you confident rolling him out there this week? Yeah, so a
0: little bit interesting uh, data here for the the tight ends in Philadelphia. Uh, You know, when you look at the matchup, not the worst matchup there. You know, Carolina actually is the most susceptible to the tight end position. Uh, But you asked about Goddard and Zach Ertz, right? So Goddard uh, actually had the highest snap share of the season last week at 73% of snaps. That's great. But on the opposite side of that, even though he's on in on a lot of snaps, He hasn't seen more than five targets in a single game, and he's only eclipsed over 30 air yards in a game one time this season, Travis. Uh, So he's kind of living off of these touchdowns and these high efficiency uh, kind of uh, plays where Zach Ertz on the other hand, He saw the lowest snap share of the season last week, uh, as and it dipped down to the 60s. Uh, uh, But he did still see eight targets in that game, despite the low snap share. Uh, 15 targets over the last two games with four red zone targets. It does seem like Zach Ertz is actually becoming the 1A tight end there again uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's only had under 30 air yards one time this season, uh, when we were, you know, and we just had talked about how Goddard has had basically thirty air yards through the whole uh season in each game. So it's almost as if, like, I would rather have Zach Ertz than Goddard, although Goddard is scoring more of the touchdowns right now. I think it's a little uh, mirage. And if you need a tight end this week, I think that you can go with Zach Ertz uh, and pick him up off your waivers and stream.
1: That's interesting. I think I would have actually rather ride with Goddard's touchdown upside, but I get mm-hmm. what you're saying here. The volume and the metrics say maybe Zach Ertz. Maybe what it's yeah. really telling us is neither. <laughs> maybe yeah, you don't yeah. want either right now, based on what's going on with the split there. And that mm-hmm. seems to be what's happening with our boy, Miles Sanders. I have to quote our buddy, Matt Potvin, who writes for the uh, website here. And he wrote his start sit. And he said to sit Miles Sanders because Miles Sanders is basically like brushing your teeth at a friend's house with your finger in the morning, trying oh, to get the gosh. job done, but not very effective. Um, so I, I I loved that joke. You got to do I, what you got to do. I feel like you got to do what you got to do. But man, is Miles Sanders tumbling down the, the rankings board right now and Gainwell kind of quietly uh, getting up here. Johnny, how do we feel about this particular uh, outlook in in this matchup against Carolina? Not a very good matchup for either back here.
0: Not a great matchup at all. Bottom four in fantasy points allowed to the running back position. That is Carolina's defense. And they've only surrendered one rushing touchdown all season to the running back position. And that was... To Zeke last week, so it's not looking great. Miles Sanders only playing in sixty percent of snaps, seven carries, but only three targets last week. Travis, not ideal from a, a, one of your running backs that is supposed to be the lead running back. He's only seen four red zone touches all season, Travis, which is so wild to me because Kenneth Gainwell on the other side, yeah, he's only playing forty percent of snaps, but he he had the more targets than carries last year. It was like they flipped, right? They, he had three carries, but he had like seven targets. And he's also seen four red zone carries. So it it seems to be a pure uh, kind of split. It's like a poor man's, uh, you know, Indianapolis Colts kind of offense. and, And Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, it's kind of like a poor man's version of that. So, again, I would agree not to start Miles Sanders this week. You definitely want Kenneth Gainwell on your bench as one of those stashes because they seem to like him. And if anything does happen to Miles Sanders, he becomes that. Uh, you know, Boston Scott would then become a little bit involved, but I do think that they'd heavily lean right. on Kenneth Gainwell.
1: They like Gainwell, and why not? He passes the yeah. eye test. He looks good. And and here's the thing is the Philly defense is bad, or and we'll see how much of that is true and how much they played, you know, Dallas and Kansas City over the last two weeks. But right. they have been a bad defense, which w- should mean Gainwell is someone that's going to rise up rankings and rise up boards here because he's a guy that is the pass catcher and getting quite the usage in the passing game. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers, Johnny, we got to talk about Sam Darnold and the fact that he is basically Lamar Jackson light. (laughs) I mean, the guy just scores rushing touchdowns left and right right now. Obviously, I feel like that's kind of a mirage, the rushing touchdown. But can we count on uh, Darnold regardless as a QB one moving forward, maybe a fringe QB one here, 10 through 12 range? I, I
0: do think that's probably where he's going to end up finishing, Travis, but uh, not in this matchup. Teams don't seem to have a lot of success throwing uh, for a lot of yardage against Philadelphia. However, they have given up the third most passing touchdowns in the league uh, with nine and, uh, sur- and with nine touchdowns uh, surrendered over the four weeks. But uh, I will say moving forward, Carolina does have the 10th most difficult schedule remaining. So it could get uh, a little bit uh, more difficult for Sam uh, these next couple of weeks. But I do think ultimately, yeah, he'll probably be, you know, quarterback 12, quarterback 11, maybe if he keeps it up at this rate keeps rushing like he is like Lamar yeah, I mean and Tyler like, I mean yeah. it's
1: hard I mean well he's it's it's all rushing touchdowns you know uh, yeah. this last game was his highest mark on rushing of the season it was 35 yards so other than that he had under 11 in, in the other three games so I don't really buy a lot of the rushing production here mm-hmm. yes they you know I think especially it's with all, CMC coming yeah, back too. you know and I think it's he's not going to vulture from CMC that much speaking of CMC I wanted to talk about this because interesting. We had come into this show because the last couple of days it was CMC was gaining momentum to start or come back because he was asked if he could come back and he said definitely. Uh, well, the coaching staff said different because he's going to be marked as doubtful this week. It looks like looks like they're going to need another week for him to come back. We're going to talk about mostly Chuba Hubbard here. Then he saw 15 total touches last week but was a tad bit scripted out of the game against Dallas. I don't see that being a problem against Philly here. We've talked about Philly's defense being a little bit of a hole. I think Carolina is going to pretty much control the tempo of this game as favorites of the game, which means that we like Chuba Hubbard on the RB2-RB3 borderline, especially CMC going to need another week. And when we look at Philly, they've surrendered the second-most rushing yards and sixth-most fantasy points to running backs in 2021 so far, so I'm fine with Chuba Hubbard. Roll him out there, um, especially if you got him as your contingency plan to CMC. Johnny, when we talk about the pass catchers, I really don't think there's much left to talk about with Carolina other than our guy DJ Moore. Yeah, he's the only
0: guy I feel confident starting in this lineup uh, in this week and moving forward. He's getting 30% target share, three straight games with 11 plus targets, lowest amount of air yards in a single game this year. Travis Wild, 87. That's pretty good. Uh, And then, yeah, Robbie Anderson, I just think that you could just drop him. It's just to the point where, I mean, his best opportunity was last week to really break out. He didn't do much with it uh, again. So I, I do think if you need to drop Robbie Anderson, and move on, you can. we
1: we'll move on to the next game. And it's the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Tennessee Titans in a divisional battle. Uh, It's a 48 and a half point over under we've got Tennessee favored by four on the road should be favored by more against Jacksonville, but we know that Tennessee's defense is bad before we get to Jacksonville and their ability to exploit that defense. Let's talk about the Titans here. Johnny want to talk a little bit about Ryan Tannehill um, because he's such a frustrating polarizing player. He had back-to-back games now with over 20 points, but he's still only the QB 23 on the year with a couple of duds in the first two weeks. I'm feeling even more hesitant, though, even in this game because we're looking at A.J. Brown, maybe Julio Jones not playing. We'll see what happens with that as it progresses. But I don't understand how you can not start a Daniel Jones or a Sam Darnold over Tannehill right now. I know the matchup's good, but Tannehill, I just feel like Tennessee is such a team that's like, let's just give it to Henry for 30 times a game. We don't yeah. really need to worry about passing that much, especially with our weapons out. So that's the concern I have for Tannehill is the lack of volume. He seems to be like a Russell Wilson, very light, where Wilson's team is running a lot of low like play. Like a natty light, dude. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> the nashville life that's that's uh, uh, but you don't want that we really no. like it with russ because he lives on high efficiency right but right. here's the thing tannahill's not going to do that this team's not running enough plays not enough volume here i know jacksonville's giving up the fifth most passing yards and, and they've only given up one or they've only gotten one interception but i can't trust Tannehill over the, some of these fringe streamers and that's because the weapons john johnny and aj brown and julio jones banged up we don't know if they're going to play here
0: yeah, it's not looking like Julio Jones is expected to play. Uh AJ Brown could potentially, they're still saying that he has a shot. Um, great matchup on paper. Jacksonville giving up the fifth most receiving yards, uh, two wide receivers, and uh they've only allowed two touchdowns to wide receivers so far this season, but again, Uh, I do think part of that is just a little bit of the game script. I wanted to ask you, Travis, if AJ Brown goes, I want to do a little, uh, frame game here, a a little, uh, spin on the name game i want to ask you a couple of guys let me know because we you know we were asking ourselves this like at what point would you be considering starting aj brown if he ends up going because of the hamstring you're a little nervous but let me i'm gonna throw out a couple names let me know if you'd start aj brown over any of these guys amari cooper who's going up against the new york giants uh also dealing with somewhat of an injury mike williams against cleveland who has been pretty dominant at the wider or cornerback position Antonio Brown against Miami, who we know how difficult that cornerback uh, matchup is there. And then Cordell Patterson against the New York Jets, who seems to be like one of the only wide receivers there now uh, for because Calvin's out. So which one would you start A.J. Brown over any of those guys or no?
1: Yeah, I think I would start him over Antonio Brown and Cordell Patterson. Antonio Brown, because not really even the cornerback the matchup, I think he'll see plenty of volume he'll be fine um but i think it's because of the game script in that game you know they're over 10 point favorites I, i imagine they shut down the passing attack at some point uh and just let leonard fournette close this one out so for me i would definitely go with um with A.J. Brown over A.B. and also Corderell Patterson because Patterson not playing enough snaps. I know Ridley out, he might play more snaps. I don't really want to trust traveling to London, coming off a three-touchdown game, coming off of high efficiency on all these snaps. I'm not really putting Patterson in right now unless I absolutely have to. I just think that it could be a situation, you know, as Johnny's trying to tell me, and he's muted right now. But I think that's a situation where I really, I don't know if I trust Patterson right now.
0: So. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think that they could get a little sneaky and try to use Patterson more as a wide receiver this week and then use Gallman and Davis as the two running backs there because no Ridley. And if that's the case, you don't like it because the Jets are actually pretty stout against the wide receiver.
1: If you came to this podcast just to hear us tell you to start Derrick Henry, start Derrick Henry. And he's, <laughs> but also subscribe over on YouTube and realize that yeah. you don't need us to tell you to start Derrick Henry. No. All right, Jacksonville, on that side of the ball, Johnny, we got to talk about James Robinson. 19 or more touches in back-to-back games. Has regained RB1 stature this year. He's the RB11 in both formats through four games. Three touchdowns over his last two, 59% in in week three, and then 95% snap share as they made Carlos Hyde a healthy scratch in week four, 10 days now uh, that the Jags have been off. So maybe they realized this was the best game of the year when they gave the ball to James Robinson, (laughs) but I can't assume rational coaching. I still have fears that in games where they are heavy dogs, he could still get scripted out. But Vegas is only favoring Tennessee by four in this one. Titans are also giving up a rushing touchdown a game to running back opponents. So I'm fine with James Robinson locked and loaded as your RB1, RB2 uh, in this matchup. I wanted to ask you about the wide receiver breakdown because we do have DJ Shark out of the game uh, or out, yeah, out for the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we, what that need we need to project... Marvin Jones Jr. and also uh, LaVisca Chenault here. LaVisca, let's go. Visca season, baby. Let's go. Hello. Let's fire it up. Uh, and
0: as far as Maurice Jones, or Maurice Jones, MJJ, <laughs> uh, you're going to start him. You're going to start him. I know he had a dead last week, but hey, listen, Tennessee coming into town, you fire up all your boys for tennessee i don't care who it is uh even if it's me your boy johnny game time lining up as wide receiver for his first nfl game if i'm going against tennessee you best i'm going to be putting out a lot of points so get get me in your lineup uh no but in all seriousness tennessee giving up the most fancy points uh and you saw what Corey davis did this past weekend to him i mean it's basically been happening every single week against tennessee um Should bounce back, should be like a wide receiver two this week for uh, Marvin Jr. Now, Visco, real quick, actually ran the fewest routes in Wars on, which is kind of surprising because Chark did go, and he did fill in that goal for Chark. I do expect him to slide in over there. I'm not really worried about the fewest routes ran kind of thing. The same amount of targets that he has been getting over that time, so it wasn't like he got the added boost from De'Arc. What's wild though, this is why I am all of a sudden interested in Visca and why I do think he's wide receiver three upside, you know, dart throw, because his air yards jump from a high of 39, Travis, through all the way uh, through the first two weeks to all the way up to 94 uh with DJ Chark out, taking a lot more of those deep targets, which is what we like. He's a fast guy. So I'm I'm fine uh throwing Visca out with a uh what the heck
1: flex uh wide receiver three upside because it's against Tennessee. Dan Arnold and Trevor Lawrence find themselves on streaming radars in these in this matchup because of the secondary, but we don't have much confidence in either right now. Again, we've named some guys in Sam Darnold, Taylor Heineke, you know uh, Daniel Jones that we would be starting over these guys for sure. I would even be starting like Joe Burrow over Trevor Lawrence and given the matchup against mm-hmm. Green Bay, high over under. So I high think either. you can do a lot better. The Chargers will be hosting the Cleveland Browns in a forty-seven point over under. It's a one and a half point. Yeah, it should be a good one. I don't like the over under. I wish it was a little higher, but uh, more points. Give cleveland me more yeah cleveland tends to slow things down <laughs> so i think that's why plus the chargers playing really good defense as well chargers yeah. are favored by a point and a half at home here we look at the cleveland side of the ball johnny i want to talk a little bit about obj because i am really on tilt right now i watched baker mayfield basically overthrow obj on a wide open touchdown then overthrow him again in the end zone on a on a particular like out and back that he could have got him on and it just seems like Baker right now is just not accurate. Now, this could be a situation where that was one game because they did get to connect quite a bit more against Chicago. And you look at OBJ still seeing nearly nine targets per game since his return, already taken over the team market share after missing the first two weeks. So that's just a – it's an indictment, obviously, on the passing attack for Cleveland as they don't have a lot of weapons. But it also lets you know that OBJ's – position as the top dog in this offense is secure this is a tough matchup for odell though the chargers only allowing 14.8 fancy point per game to all wide receivers which is the second fewest per game this is a talented enough secondary to basically focus on obj and make the browns try to beat them elsewhere. which is why i only have flex appeal for obj at this point in this game because the secondary is so good for the chargers and brandon staley that's his you know that's his M.O. He came over from the Rams as the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator over there, and so now he's kind of putting his imprint on this Chargers defense that had talent. Obviously not starting Baker, Johnny, but let's talk a little bit about the backfield because we've got to understand if we can get Hunt or Chubb. We obviously put in Chubb in our lineup, but are we still mm-hmm. trusting Hunt as that flex or RB2 in this one? Uh, I, I Two things. I do think
0: that people can go and try to trade for Chubb right now because Hunt, there's a lot of um, talk. A lot of uh conversations going on about Hunt right now. That Chubb is actually somewhat going under the radar, hasn't gotten the end zone in the last two weeks. People are somewhat panicking because they think Kareem Hunt is now taking over this offense, and he's not like that's the reality, is he he really isn't? He has been, he's just not, dude. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, he has had major pop-off games, and this is not unheard of for a guy like Kareem Hunt. So I would definitely go out right now, and I think that you could try to acquire Nick Chubb a lot cheaper than what he actually is, and that's a top-five running back right now. 43 carries in the last two weeks, despite not getting in the end zone, not having the mega days, Travis. And and then you look at this matchup. L.A. Charters giving up the fifth-most rushing yards on the season to opposing running backs, which is the avenue and the, and the venue for Chubb, uh, with 457 yards, but they're allowing the fifth- fewest receiving yards to opposing running backs which is where kareem hunt majorly gets a lot of his work he's you know 17th on the year as far as rushing yards go but uh he's heavily involved uh you know 15th in receiving yards uh for the season 41 of the snaps is all that he's getting in games in which they are having to come from behind and, and kind of make up points so travis I am very concerned, Kareem Hunt, two of his four games in which he played in those forty one percent snaps and didn't get a touchdown, then you're you're looking at a a low end RB three, not that, you know, middling RB two high end RB one that you're getting with him right now. So I do want to temper expectations if you have to put Hunt in your lineup this week. Difficult matchup. Thumbs up though for it's for difficult Chubb, on the team. edge.
1: You're definitely right. It's difficult on the in thinking that obviously chargers don't give up a lot of receiving yards to their backs. But if we look at hunt, like he's had over 10 touches or over 10 rushing pure rushing attempts in the last three games. So he is still going to be involved in the rushing game. And again, because Cleveland does not have many weapons outside of OBJ and the two backs, that's where you're seeing they're going to be comfortable running it down their throat, plus with Baker's injury. So I actually think that he's going to have a little bit more appeal than we think just looking at the matchup, but I do agree with you that he's a sell-high candidate. He's a guy that's living on high efficiency that we should definitely be looking to get off of. On the Chargers side of the ball, Johnny, we've got Herbert, who is probably an elite real life quarterback. Like we're seeing him play really well as a real life quarterback, but the volume and the way this offense is running and their ability to just want to win games kind of puts him on the fringe QB one borderline. How do you see this matchup? Because Cleveland really tough defense right now. Yeah, they,
0: they really are. They're playing really well against the quarterback, giving up the fifth fewest passing yards on the season to opposing quarterbacks. So temper your expectations with Herbert. It's really funny. You brought that up because yeah, for, for real-life football, Herbert, you know, everyone's talking about how Herbert's this next greatest thing, like he's the real deal. And then you look at uh, fantasy, his fantasy perspective of it, though, and he's still QB 12 on the season, Travis. Right. So it's right. just, uh, once again, he's a, lo- a lot better real-life quarterback than he is for fantasy right now, and that's just the reality of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see how that kind of progresses. I know that we had a couple rough games to start, which could be why he's on the fringe, but yeah. this is not a, a nice attackable matchup. So you're putting Herbert in your lineup, I think, over the guys we talked about, the streamers, but you're tempering expectations, as Johnny said. We did see we, we may want to temper those same expectations for Mike Williams. Okay, now he started off on a tear. I still think he's going to have a great season. I still think he's in line for you know good stuff this year, but he played most of his snaps. He played his most snaps last week, 85%, still only saw four targets. It was a little weird. So I dug a little deeper. The issue was they were using Mike Williams as they had last year as like kind of this deep threat, pushing him down the field, not the focal point we had seen in this Lombardi offense over the first few weeks. I think that should change over time. They did, you know, I mean, Staley's come out and basically said that Mike Williams was the best player on the field when they played the Chiefs, and there's a lot of good players on that field. So that's high praise. I think they know what they have in Mike Williams. As far as Keenan Allen, only one game under 11 targets all year. Hasn't hit his yardage ceiling in the last two games. He's failed to get over 50 yards in either contest, but I do like him in this matchup, and that's because we're going to see Mike Williams get a lot of greedy Williams no relation. Uh, right. And so temper your expectations because Greedy Williams is a really good cornerback, maybe one of the highest graded per PFF right now. Then you look at Keenan Allen's matchup, uh, loving that a little bit more out of the uh, two. But remember that Cleveland only allowing 19.5 fancy points per game to the position right now. And they've only given up three wide receiver touchdowns on the year. I do like Keenan Allen more. I think you're starting both of these guys, but you're tempering expectations on both. And really, we're pumping the brakes completely on uh, Jared Cook here because I think it's more of a whack-a-mole situation. It's It depends on matchup, and this is not a great matchup. Cleveland only giving up six points per game to the position. All right. Our next matchup is the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders hosting the Chicago Bears in Las Vegas. They are five and a half point favorites over the Bears at home. But we got to talk about these Bears first because Johnny, he's named the starter now officially, Justin Fields, and I got to look at if we're comfortable starting him here look like last week he saw we saw some signs of life with our guy justin fields more deep shots to mooney more design max protects and pocket movement and we have him named as the official starter plus bill laser calling plays for the second week now you know vegas has been middle of the road against quarterbacks i don't fields is again there at that borderline of like qb1 for me he's probably on the back end of guys like darnold who you're you're having a little more trust in the offense here but You know, middle of the road for Vegas against QBs, but they've played Jacoby Brissett and Big Ben, Johnny. He has two of their four Hmm. weeks, so I think that could be a little inflated. They also have given up the fourth most rushing yards to QBs. I actually think this could be that little bit of a sneaky breakout game for Fields here. I think his opportunity is here. Maybe the confidence is there as being the starter and all that. Johnny, we look at the biggest name uh, probably at the Bears right now is Damian Williams because of the injury to Dave Montgomery. This is a good spot for Williams. He's on a lot of people's love list. Matthew Barry loves him this week. A lot of people like him as, as auto starts. Our own Matt Potvin uh, had him as his RB start this week. How are you feeling about Damian Williams in this contest?
0: Yeah, I really like him a lot. If you picked him up, this is the game that you're definitely going to want to play him in because it's his best game on the matchup uh, slate without Monty uh, in the lineup. So you're definitely going to play him in Las Vegas, allowing 132 rushing yards a game to opposing running backs. Uh, Yeah, so I would definitely play Williams this week. I like that call. Uh, Keep an eye on Khalil Herbert. Uh, He is the rookie. He came in in relief of of Williams at the end of last week when Williams was dealing with the uh, thigh issue, uh, the thigh bruise. And so what was interesting about him, though, he got all the early down work he didn't get any receiving work. So it will be interesting to see if they uh, need to give Williams a break, or if they do kind of use Khalil as more of the one, two uh, down running back and then put in Williams as that third down running back and get him. you know, he'll still see carries and, and whatnot, but definitely monitor that situation. Cause it is something that uh, we do need to see more of to know exactly what the split is going to be for between Damien and Herbert, but, um, uh, I definitely would get Damian in your lineup.
1: Absolutely. John, what about these wide receivers? Are you getting Allen Robinson in your lineup? Can you trust him at all at this point? And then Darnell Mooney's showing some flashes of life. Do we like him in this particular matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders?
0: Seems to have, uh, Darnell Mooney seems to have the rapport with Fields, right? Like seeing, uh, you know, like the apple of of Fields' eye, he likes targeting him. He's seen uh, seven or more targets in three out of four games. We know Nagy likes him as well. Uh, so I am growing my excitement and, and uh, expectations for Mooney. Uh, But I, this week, I think I would try to leave him on my bench. I want to see more of it before I trust him getting in my lineup, especially because Vegas Raiders, uh, surprisingly enough, have allowed the seventh fewest receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. And they've only allowed one receiving touchdown to receivers on the season. So it's not a game that I want to start Mooney or Robinson Robinson. Robinson, continues to be a guy that I don't know what what's going on there after averaging seven plus targets in all but three games last year Allen Robinson has only had one game this season above six targets Travis so I have no idea what's going on I almost think he's a buy low but at the same time it's a risky risky buy low because man that that floor is non-existent
1: unlike what we are accustomed to seeing with Allen Robinson. I'm going to be watching the bears offense intensely this weekend, because this is the game that we, there's no more excuses. We have fields name starter, which means the playbook should be opened all the way up. You're not trying to run Andy Dalton's offense anymore with fields. You're trying to maneuver an offense for fields. And then you have situations like Allen Robinson that you have to look at. How can fields get Allen Robinson more involved? Yeah. So it's definitely something we're going to look at as far as what's going on there. Looking at the Uh, the Raiders offense, I got to start with Derek Carr. Okay, so last week we kind of saw him fall back to earth. Was not a great showing for Carr last week against the Chargers. This will be a pivotal game for his confidence and also our confidence in him as a reliable fantasy football option. After 380 yards or more in the first three weeks, Johnny Carr failed to eclipse 200 against that Chargers team. And But we know that they're hard to throw on, right? We know the Chargers have a good secondary. And still, in six-point passing touchdown leagues, Carr posted 18 points, so he wasn't terrible. He didn't kill you. He had a couple touchdowns in the second half. Chicago has only been allowing 17 points per game to opponents, but they had they got had by Stafford and Burrow in those two matchups that they played though. So when we get a competent quarterback against the bears, you can see them be fringe QB ones. And I think that's what Carr is this week. I think you could still roll with him this week as a QB one at home as favorites here. But, Johnny, I want to know about the confidence in other pass catchers not named Waller, because obviously Waller's our auto start, scored a touchdown last week, hasn't seen the same target volume as week one, but definitely the guy that is the most exciting in the passing attack for the Raiders.
0: What a difference, huh? That was wild. Um, Seeing that week one is what we were kind of expecting from Waller, maybe a little bit more, but then it's just like completely regressed to something that we're not expecting. But again, getting Waller out there, do temper your expectations. Chicago actually ninth best against the tight end position. So, uh but again, it's a tight end. It's Waller. You're getting him in your lineup. Uh Chicago, uh, as far as the wide receivers go, giving up the second most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers with seven and have allowed the sixth most receiving yards to wide receivers. So what does that mean? Am I getting both Edwards and rugs in my lineup? I am not. Uh, I am uh, sitting Edwards, still not enough uh, volume there to consistently to really move the needle for me. Uh, but Rugs on the other hand, fourth in air yards this season with 466. No game under 100 air yards, Travis. You love that. Uh, third in deep targets. You love that. And then fourth in yards per reception with 21.2. Yeah, absolutely love that. So yeah. you are getting him in your lineup as a, a wide receiver three high upside play because he can hit just one of those bombs and that makes your day he's a top, instantly you know a top 12 wide receiver for the week
1: so henry i rugs yeah yeah henry, henry rugs is uh marquise brown light you know he's yeah dude he's the you, marquise brown natty light dude yeah, dude he's definitely the guy that could tilt your week but uh definitely i love it as, as the flex one of those perfect flex plays for you if you need that upside what yeah. about the backs johnny because we saw with josh jacobs back in the game on on Monday night, he just rolled right back into volume here as the as the focal point. Tough matchup for them because he got a, a little scripted out. Chargers were a good matchup, but he got scripted out of the game. How do we like this one against the Bears? Are we are we trusting Jacobs in our in our lineup? Here's what's wild is he almost didn't get scripted out of the game, Travis, despite being down. He had
0: five receptions uh, in his first week back, which is something we had never seen before. Like we had only seen him get a couple of targets here and there, but they gave him all five To the point where Drake didn't even see a single target, Travis. He only had one carry. So at this point, Drake, he could be dropped if you, you know, because obviously we know that if Jacobs goes down, Drake is not going to be that guy to go and fill that spot like we thought it was. Even though they paid him all that money, Uh, he's not the guy. So if you need to drop Drake right now for a better running back or a better dart throw, on your waiver wire. Don't mind it. Josh Jacobs, if he plays, he should play. I'm getting him in my lineup. He, uh, you look at this matchup here and, uh, they've given just under 550 total yards to opposing running backs and they've, uh, but they've only allowed two running backs to score on the season. So, uh, once again, if you have better options than Josh Jacobs, then yeah, I would probably go that way. However, not a terrible, terrible matchup for uh, for Josh Jacobs against Chicago. So I don't mind getting him in your lineup I, as a
1: RB. I mean two. you probably don't have better um, matchups, but let's just play a little game here because if you do, oh, it's I probably somebody Kareem. like it's probably like Corderell Patterson. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs or Corderell Patterson this week? Pa-
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Patterson.
1: Patterson. Would you rather have Kareem Hunt or Josh Jacobs this week? Hunt. See, so that's where I think we're at the line right there is a couple of matchups, you might throw so close. At. Yeah, Um, I would say Alex Collins, but Chase played. Edmonds. Chase Edmonds or Josh. <laughs> well, Chase Edmonds? Now a game time decision, and we'll talk about that in the next. I think he'll go in the next, in the next game. Well, I I know you think that, but he's a game time decision. Hey. So. Uh, well, we might as well Hopkins just move on. Week, we might as well just move on to that. You matchup. won't. The Arizona won't. Cardinals are hosting the San Francisco 49ers in a fifty point over under. Arizona favored by five and a half at home in the desert. I want to talk about the San Francisco side of the ball though first before we get into Chase Edmonds in that backfield. Let's talk about the San Francisco backfield, Johnny, because Mitchell. to tease him. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell now putting back back to back practices without the non-contact Jersey on still in a limited Ooh. fashion. We could see a situation where Mitchell comes back and really muddles this up. How, what is your beat on how this backfield would look with Mitchell back? I know that there's a couple things. I'm a little bit biased. I have a lot of shares of Mitchell and I think that Mitchell fits this offense better. We've talked about him being more of the most dirt role, but and the industry seems to think from all the you know smart minds out there that i follow a lot of smart people think that mitchell will come right back into a you know one a role in this offense do you buy that are you buying that because this is an exploitable matchup against the cardinals here Oh, it's so
0: exploitable. It's so nice. Uh, Arizona giving up the ninth most yards to opposing running backs so far this season. So it is such a juicy matchup. Uh, you talk about, uh, you know, trying to keep that offense off the field for the 49ers. You could definitely see them relying on the run game a little bit more. Uh, yeah. If Sir, if Mitchell is in, then I would throw, I would put him in as a uh, RB3 upside play. I do think he would end up getting the bulk of the carries. Like you said, Sermon, uh, although he was, you know, he got the bulk of the carries last week because nobody else was there. He ended up turning out a, a, a nice day for fantasy. Uh, roster or fantasy players however like you said i do think that mitchell fits this system a lot better even watching sermon play you can clearly tell like he is not that guy that they really thought that they were draft well i'm sure kyle shanahan knew that he wasn't the right guy to fit in a system but um the gm didn't know that particularly so i i do think that mitchell definitely fits this offensive scheme better and i would expect him to take the lead role if uh, if and when he I, gets healthy,
1: I think it's a mix. I don't I mean, this is a, a bigger.
0: I'm only playing sermon if Mitchell is not playing. I if would Mitchell is that, that, if not. playing. Would you flex Mitchell, though? Depending on what I have, then, yes. What, let me ask you this, then we'll go right back to where we were, dude. Uh, would you do Josh Jacobs or Mitchell?
1: I would take Jacobs. Only because I can guarantee the volume, and I know that Gruden, even up against a wall, is going to pound the rock with Josh Jacobs. I can't guarantee volume with Mitchell. I assume volume. I assume they're going to go back to rational coaching with this because what's the one way? You look at Arizona's offense. You know Arizona's offense is lethal. You're going to run the ball. The only thing that kind of scares me off of Mitchell a little bit, although this could be great for both, but Trey Lance. And so we'll just talk about Trey Lance right now as a good segue here, because Trey Lance Mm -hmm. as a runner, could be taking opportunities away from Eli Mitchell and for sure against uh, against Trey Sermon. But John Daigle of of NBC Sports Edge pointed out that that read option with Trey Lance and and Elijah Mitchell would be absolutely nasty trying to defend that with both of those guys, man. I don't, I don't know about that. So let's talk about Trey Lance, though, because he was a hot waiver pickup. If you heard us in our rookie show, I talked about Trey Lance having the most upside of any quarterback in the rookie class. If you heard us throughout the offseason, it was always the Justin Fields or Trey Lance as the secret weapon to win your league this year. We'll enter in Trey Lance as the biggest waiver wire pickup of the year, in my opinion, because of the pure upside. Last week in only 30 minutes, Johnny, and everybody's been telling you all week what that Trey Lance didn't look that good. He didn't play that well, right? He just did not look good. Well, in 30 minutes, Johnny, he had 157 passing yards, two touchdowns. He ran the ball seven times for 41 yards, and he had 20 fantasy points. In most formats, like that was a startable quarterback in only a half of action. Now he's going to play Arizona, and they have been stingy against quarterbacks. I will give you that, but they faced Trevor Lawrence and a struggling Tannehill in two of those games. So we've got to be have a little bit of perspective. But this is the big one, Johnny. They've given up the sixth most rushing yards per game to enemy quarterbacks. I am licking my chops if I am a Trey Lance <laughs> roster. I'm going to go pick him up, start him in this one, especially with the high over under, Johnny, in a game where they're going to have to be coming back most likely in this game. I think the mm-hmm. run game, and that starts and ends with Trey Lance, is going to be very big in this one for San Fran if they're trying to get a win. How do you feel about Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk? Because I, I you know, Earth to obviously we're starting Kittle, Johnny, yeah. but Earth to Ayuk. Where the hell are you, man? Dude, uh, non-existent. Continues to see minimal targets. Has
0: had no more than three targets uh, in all but one game this year. Uh, definitely not what you like to see, especially because we're all so excited about Brandon Ayuk. I mean, the beat beat reporters were excited about him, and then it's been for nothing. And I almost like a part of me thinks it's just it's a it's a switch that is going to be flipped, and it just takes Kyle Shanahan to flip it, and then all of a sudden Brandon Ayuk is doing what Debo is do, is doing. That's the the rational coaching in me, uh, because I do think Debo is not as good of an athlete or wide receiver as Ayuk, talent wise. But again. It. I'm not uh, again wow. I'm not and I'm a debo here's the thing I'm hey, a debo yo, fan. it doesn't sound like it I was dude. hey Why do I you was hate a debo, debo? Fan. Uh, it's not that I hate Debo. It's like, I, you can't have two options in this offense. It's going to be one guy. It's going to be either Kittle. It's going to be one guy. It's either going to be Kittle. It's going to be IU or it's going to be Debo. It's not going to be two of those guys, uh, especially with Trey Lance as the quarterback. I just don't with him running as much as that team likes to run. And I just don't see him, uh, producing a whole lot of fantasy assets for this offense but if I have to gamble on a guy right now, you got to stay in the flames with Debo as weird as that sounds at odd three out of four games with 10 plus targets, 17.5 yards per receptions on the year. Travis, that's insane. 3.98 yards per route ran. That is astronomical. Most, you know, you look for anybody over two and you generally say that like they're having a pretty big breakout year. Uh, Debo number three though on that yards per route round i do expect that to come majorly down uh with with uh, lance as the quarterback and then you know but looking at this matchup cardinals have surrendered 700 plus receiving yards and seven touchdowns to the wide receiver position so it's a very healthy matchup you're gonna get debo in your lineup hopefully better days for iukah ahead. Uh, you know, if you have him on your roster, but, you know, after the this game,
1: Debo could be that as a dot comes down, they start using him more as the, you know, screen with, with guy. Lance. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see how that progresses with Lance as the starter this week. Most yeah. likely Arizona, uh, Johnny, what yeah. wide receiver not named Hopkins can we roll with if any in this matchup? The only guy that I would look at, look,
0: I, I, I expect Hopkins to have a mega day. Uh, San Fran, 600 receiving yards allowed to receivers, five touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. And when you look at and break it down, it mostly comes from that team's opposite number one wide receiver. Uh, and so I expect that to be a major Hopkins day. I do think A.J. Green is is worth a what the heck flex. Uh, You know, he has some upside. Obviously, he gets he's had touchdowns. Uh, in multiple games this season, but he is just consistently just seeing six targets per game. So it is a very limited, uh, you know, a target amount, but he seems making the most of it. And what the heck, not when you're on one of the best offensive uh, passing uh, games in this in, offensive passing games in the game. That was what I was thinking, but that's not what I want to say. Offensive passing systems in the game uh so you want to get that christian kirk again continues to be a hold for me but after having a, a couple of games with uh you know eight plus targets he's really been someone who's kind of stepped back in the target area uh so
1: i'm i'm snap back not, to reality snap, snap back to reality man what about max williams we like in max with williams? two X's. max yeah.
0: max, we throwing, max. Him up? we throwing him in there uh not as a only as a desperate play uh he seems to be yeah he's on the field (laughs) i have him a
1: dynasty dude you call me desperate
0: bro no i mean i here's the thing he's really good cardinals love him but when you look at the reality of it he's like the sixth best pass catcher on this offense and he's one of the last reads so that's more so he's not getting Body more than five targets.
1: Williams. All right, we got to talk about Chase Edmonds. He's a late add to the injury report with a shoulder this yeah, week. Yeah, you're excited to get to this, dude. Yeah, I mean, I have Chase Edmonds in a few leagues, including Scott Fishbowl, so I'm a little and that's the I have Zeke and yeah. Chase Edmonds, and that's it at running back. So I am really desperate here, and he needs to play in this one. And this matchup, decent enough, how are we projecting these guys? And would Connor be an auto start if Edmonds missed? Plus, it's the afternoon uh, game. Are we going to
0: know in time? Yeah, we should probably. Like I said, I do expect Edmonds to play. I think it's similar to what D-Hop went through last last week, right? Um, because this is kind of something that is relatively newish. Uh, we hadn't really heard about this kind of injury until later in the week. So uh again, if Connor or if Edmonds is not playing, James Connor is an auto start, right? RB two, high upside, right? He's gonna get the vast majority of the the work there. They might bring up Eno for some touches, but uh if Edmonds is playing then I am throwing Edmonds in. I do think he's a safe RB2, uh, has RB1 upside if they can get into the end zone on one of these carries. Um, and then uh, James Conner in that situation would be more of an RB3 flex upside. You know, obviously he gets the goal line work. So if he can fall forward for a couple touchdowns, you like that, but not a scary matchup, uh, but not the greatest, you know, San Francisco allowing 548 total yards and four touchdowns to opposing running backs on the season. So you don't mind the matchup.
1: You don't mind it, and we don't mind mind moving on to the next matchup, which is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the New York Giants. Dallas favored by seven. Dallas looking really good right now, and they are heavy favorites in this one at home. The Giants, uh, they're looking okay. They've got some bright spots. One of those bright spots is obviously Saquon Barkley, who is locked in your lineup because he's back, baby. The usage is there, including the pass game. I mean, he shredded New Orleans through the air last week, including the w- game-winning touchdown, which was through the air. Johnny. Yes, sir. Start with the Giants, we got to talk about these pass catchers outside of, you know, Saquon, really, as the yeah. main pass catcher for this offense. What are we looking at? Kadarius Tony getting involved last week? Would he be worth it in the flex here? What about your guy, Kenny G? Yeah. So
0: on a surprise note here, I was telling everyone start Kenny G last week. Uh, and now I'm telling everyone to bench Kenny G this week because Whoa. I, I yeah, it's it sounds wild. You know, Kenny G is my boy. You know, I love those smooth, that smooth jazz that Kenny G puts up. But I don't think he'll be making smooth jazz this week because he is going against Dallas, who has Steph uh has Trayvon Diggs, the brother of Stefan Diggs, who just so happens to get a reception in every single game against the guy he's guarding. So I expect him to be shadowing Kenny G this week. So I am staying away from Kenny G. But Kadarius Tony is interesting to me because Dallas is giving up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. But like I just said, most of that's not from the number one wide receiver because Diggs is on him. It's usually coming from the number two or that slot wide receiver, which, surprising enough, Kadarius Tony has been playing since we have heard about the Sterling Shepard injury. And he walked right in, took exactly what Sterling Shepard was getting, nine targets last week. Uh, And like I said... Dallas, their number two uh, or their number two corner is just surrendering so many fantasy points to the team's opposing number two wide receiver that if you need the what the heck flex really want to piss off the people that you are playing and get them to pull their hair out. You put in Kadarius Tony, and I do think he has a, a fairly solid day.
1: Look, I tried to get us through these show notes without even bringing up Evan Ingram, and that's weird for me because I like Evan Ingram, but you put him down here. I did. You think he's worth a what-the-heck tight end flex here. What the heck for tight end uh, with Evan Ingram here? Yeah, remember the conversation I was asking you about, uh, or telling you about
0: Zach Ertz if you needed one of those. Well, I think it's in the same kind of boat here with Evan Ingram. You're looking at the matchup. The matchup is what's so entire enticing here, Travis. And that's because uh you're looking at Dallas giving up the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And Evan Ingram has had back-to-back weeks with six targets, divisional game, no Sterling Shepard. Highly unlikely they're gonna get Slayton. I think you could throw him in as a desperation tar, uh, tight end dart throw this week and a good matchup. Sounds gross, I know.
1: Daniel Jones is the one ex-girlfriend you just can't quit. And for me, I had him as a bromance last year. Did not want any part of him this year, but yet here we are because Daniel D- Daniel Jones is a QB, top seven QB this year right now. Wow. Only one game this season with over one passing touchdown uh in a game don't look now but danny dimes has thrown only one interception this year and dallas is giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks danny dimes belongs in your lineup if you picked him up as a streamer this was one of the matchups you were targeting i will just say the bottom could come out and he's kind of like kirk cousins you know like the bottom could fall out at any minute you'll be part of a uh you know a support group after like he fails you but you got to keep rolling in the flames with Danny as you got sticking, him. Sticking with our theme, I would say
0: that Danny Dimes is not – he's not a natty light, but he's a Miller light of
1: uh, of uh, Kirk Cousins. He's kind Miller of light like, version. more like a Tannehill last year. He's like a, a Miller light version of Tannehill last year where he's going to have some rushing upside. He's going to throw for yeah. some touchdowns, but he could definitely bottom out on you. I think Sam Darnold's going to be the – yeah, well, year. he doesn't Maybe. run enough man he just gets touchdowns it's Says not, the guy that
0: that he's leading the lead in rushing, rushing in touchdowns. touchdowns
1: dude it's not rushing it's that's just good. he poaches a touchdown <laughs> when he gets down there it's not actual running uh, tell, us how, really tell us how you it's really like, feel about it tell us how you really feel it feels like it's a fucking or excuse me it's a trap door <laughs> dropping f-bombs here yeah that's how upset he is uh Dallas Cowboys do we have concern Johnny for our Cowboy wide receivers because of the volume because Dallas appears to be a team that's willing to do whatever it takes to win and that means shutting down the pass and just eating up the clock with Zeke if they need to.
0: It is a cause for concern, especially with the defense playing a little bit better or playing better than what they had last year. Travis, there is that concern that they won't need to depend on Dak and these wide receivers so much. Uh, It is something to monitor going forward. But again, I do think Dallas is going to have games in which they just want to put up some points and they can do so with this offense. So I'm not necessarily hitting the panic button yet, but, you know, a couple more weeks of this and you definitely could start really hitting that panic button. Uh, but I do like this matchup New York Giants allowing 659 receiving yards and three touchdowns to opposing wide receivers uh I expect CD to get back on track in this game uh continue to monitor the Amari Cooper situation uh Travis you might have a better thumbnail or thumbnail a, a better thumb on this uh situation I don't have thumbnails yeah, I'm I'm the, but
1: uh uh I here's what I'll say about Cooper. First of all, I think Cooper gets massively disrespected. I mean, oh, uh, yeah, you, every year. I, I listen to other podcasts, I listen to other, you know, uh, fantasy analysts in the industry, and it's all about CD Lamb. That's all we ever want to talk about with this wide receiving. He's the sexiness, dude. He's C. that new hobby. CD Lamb, this, CD Lamb, this. Look, CD Lamb has not been great over the last two weeks, and Cooper hasn't been a, a rock star, but he's been consistent, the big play guy, and we know Dak loves Cooper. Cooper, when asked, Look, everybody's talking about the hamstring. He came back into the game, guys. He yeah, could have easily really sat wild. out the game. He came back in, scored a touchdown. So Cooper, for me, is a guy that you're going to continue to roll out. You're not going to feel great about it. Get, don't get me wrong. But he's not going to be like uh, CeeDee Lamb where we're expecting the world and we don't get it right now because mm-hmm. of the volume. I think Cooper is a consistent play you know, at the wide receiver two range with wide receiver one upside each and every week. And I think that's a great person to have in your lineup on a very good team and mm-hmm. both are in this one. Johnny, talk to me about uh, Dalton Schultz, because he looks to be in a, in a smash spot here. And he seems to be the one that's taken away some of the looks from CeeDee Lamb and even Amari Cooper in this offense. Yeah, he, he would be my number one on the the
0: list of uh, tight ends. That If you need to stream this week, he would be my number one. Why is that? Well, the Giants have given up the most touchdowns in the league to opposing tight ends, and they are also giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And so I do – I know what people are saying. Well, there's Dalton Schultz, and then, you know, isn't there the – you know, everyone's uh, love and and breakout tight end over there. Don't they they still have him? And uh, here's the reality, though. Dalton Schultz is getting the vast majority – of the entire workload over there uh for at the tight end position, getting 70% of the snap share in each of the last three games, 15 targets over the last two games, three touchdowns on three red zone targets. So that is something to just kind of keep in mind. He's being really efficient. We talked about that with several players. Uh, but again, I do like all the stats and the metrics for Schultz. So if you need a tight end, throw him in there. think he's safe.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about the safety of, of – of- Uh, Zeke in this one, Johnny, because he is set up to really smash in this one. Giants have given up 600 yards plus two touchdowns to opposing running backs. So Zeke belongs in your lineup. Pollard even a decent flex play in this game as their seven-point favorites. You could see some Pollard in this game. I think he's somewhere, he's going to land somewhere between the six and eight-point mark in standard leagues uh, Mm -hmm. this week. So not a bad desperation flex. And then if Zeke's back, do we think Dak's back? 27 points in two games, under 19 points in the other two. He's been up and down. I can I continue to think that he's going to be a little more volatile. He's going to have a little bit less of the ceiling than we thought, but he belongs in your lineup, just the fact that he's the lead dog uh, of this offense. And I think you got to keep rolling him out there. And then you look at the Giants, not a great matchup or not a bad matchup for him either. That pass defense ranked 20th per pro football focus. But the Fantasy Whispers are ranked number one in your heart for fantasy football content, and that does it for part two of the matchup breakdown. If you want more, if you want part one, if you want the Sunday night and Monday night football matchups from this week, you can head on over to all podcast platforms, or you could subscribe on Patreon and get the full video as well. You might be watching that right now. Yeah, maybe. If you have more lineup questions, make sure you tune into YouTube and you're subscribed to the channel over there because Sunday mornings, an hour and a half before the first game kicks off, well, actually, not this week because there's a game in London. But an hour and a half before the 10 a.m. Pacific time games kick off, we will be going live on YouTube answering all your lineup questions. And if you still have questions, you can go to fantasywhispers.com get our rankings there, and answer all those lineup conundrums there. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travy, and we're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Yes. Right here. Congratulations on making it to the end of the video if you still have a lot to say about fantasy football Maybe you want to give Johnny a little bit of crap for his take today Then go on over to our discord channel and join the conversation there Click the link in the description below and if you still want more content check out one of these videos Homie, don't you hear the whisper?